Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Let's take our Bibles, go to the Gospel of John again this morning. The Gospel of John again today, and we'll look at a few thoughts out of here um, with the help of the Lord. John chapter number 11 this morning. John chapter number 11, and I read several verses in your hearing here in just a moment. I was studying this week, and um, we have been going through the seven I am statements in the book of John. I am uh, the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way. And uh, we've been going through these different ones. And I was reading in John 11. And um, in John 11, of course, we find another I am statement in verse 25. Um, But I just didn't go directly to verse 25 to start reading. I began in verse number 1 because I wanted to find the context of verse number 25. And when I began reading in verse number 1, I found another uh, I am statement that is not accredited to the seven I am statements that all of the commentators tell us about. Now, I'll say this, this I am statement that I'll read to you in just a minute. I, I do understand that it does not fall in one of the types or the metaphors uh, that we've been studying as we've went through these seven studies. But um, uh, whether it is a type or a metaphor, it's still uh, rung out to me and uh, really just uh, uh, lodged in my heart. And I want to look at it this morning and then we'll jump back in to verse number 25 next Sunday morning on I Am the Resurrection. I want to read to you out of John 11, beginning in verse number 1 this morning. Let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. And uh, I want you to listen with an attentive ear this morning. Um, The Lord has really, really spoke to me in studying this this week. And um, um, I I have been amazed at the way he spoke to my heart through it. Uh, You ever read something and then read it again and then read it again and the next time you read it, you see things in it that you never saw in it before. That's kind of the way it was this week. Look with me in verse number one. John 11 verse number one says this, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sisters sent unto him, being Jesus, sent unto him saying, Lord, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Verse number four, the Bible said when Jesus heard that, he said this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, 
Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because he, there is no light in him. These things said he, uh, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I might awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now here's something I want to ask you. How did he know that? They just sent to him and said he was sick. Jesus turned around and looked at the disciples in the same conversation and said, boys, he's dead. I'll tell you the reason he knew that, because he was God incarnated into man. It was the sovereignty of God. Look in verse number 14 again. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye might believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I want you to look back in verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. I want to preach on this thought for a little bit this morning. Lazarus is dead and I am glad. I know that sounds very um, uh, very unpastoral. <laughs> Somebody's dead and I'm glad, but that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. And when I read that this week, Brother Brian, I thought, uh, I'm glad. Jesus says, I'm glad that Lazarus is dead. And I hope by the end of the message we can see why Jesus was glad. Father, I love you this morning. I stand in a place where in the arm of the flesh I'll do nothing but fail. So God, I pray over the next few minutes, God, that you'd but clothe me in the cloak of my calling. I pray, God, that you'd preach us in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. We need you, Father, this morning. And God, I pray, Lord, that your will away would be done. God, Father, you surely uh, are always good to us, Father. And I thank Thank you for the song, Lord, and I pray that now, God, that you'd add a blessing to the reading of your word. May the Holy Ghost preach through us this morning, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. When we come to chapter number 11, we find that there is a summons that comes to Jesus. Mary and Martha sends to Jesus, and um, they are wanting him to come and heal their brother Lazarus. Now, let me just say this to you this morning quickly that Jesus did not have to go to where Lazarus was uh, to touch the life of Lazarus. Jesus uh, could have healed Lazarus from where he was at because, again, he was God. Now, think about this in verse number one and two. There is a special family that we are introduced to. It's Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and we know that Jesus loved them. We know that there was a, they was a very special family to them. But in verse number three, we find a sudden fear that hits this special family. 
what is it? Their brother Lazarus is sick and evidently uh, they are expecting him to die. If I could say it in our day, they have probably uh, already called a hospice in on him uh, and he is at the point of death. They've called the family in now uh, and said anybody that wants to see Lazarus, you better get him here. And there is a sudden fear. Uh, there is a sudden fear that hits them. But maybe in the mind of Mary and Martha, they remember uh, this man named Jesus and what Jesus has done, how Jesus has healed the sick, how Jesus has raised the dead, how Jesus had made the lame to walk, the blind to see and the deaf to hear. So they send this summons out, this special family does, in the midst of sudden fear. Now, verse number four says this, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. There is a seeming of failure to this special family. Why is Jesus not coming to my rescue? Why is it that I have sinned for the Lord and the Lord is not coming. Can I just say this to you by way of introduction? There'll be times in our life that we will sin for the Lord and it seems the Lord does not hear us. It seems that our prayers do not make it past the roof of our mouth. It seems that God's ear is deafened to the prayer of his children and the summons of his children. But hear me and hear me well. If we pray according to his will with sin out of our life I promise you he hears us this special family has a sudden fear and it seems that it's a failure but look in verse number five and I'll preach in just a minute now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus as I read that I thought about back in verse number three there is in the latter portion he whom thou lovest is sick. Now in verse number five, he says this, now Jesus loved Martha. And so I began studying those two words and here's what I found out. That first lovest in verse number three is just a, what they say in the Greek, a filio love. It is just an acquaintance love. It is a friendship love. But when you get to verse number five, the Bible said, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I began to study that word loved right there. And in the Greek, here is what that loved meant. It is an agape love. It's the same word for God so loved the world that he gave. That is an agape love. Here is what that means. It means everything love. It is the strongest word for love that there is. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. And what Jesus is saying right there is it's not just a simple love that I have for Mary and Martha and Lazarus but it is an agape love that I have for them. The Lord's love there in verse number five. In verse number six, there's the Lord's leading. In verse number seven through verse number 16, there's the Lord and his followers. 
So now he gets the word that Lazarus is dying, that Lazarus is sick, and the disciples say, maybe we need to go, and Jesus just waits. Boy, we don't like that word, do we? I don't like it either. Jesus just waits. If there's one thing that I hate is waiting. Can I get an amen? There's one thing that I hate is waiting. I, if I'm supposed to be there at 12, I'm going to be there at 11.50. Somebody give me an eight. They, some of y'all ain't going to holler amen because I got texts y'all running late coming to Sunday school this morning. Mistake. I didn't mean to call no names. I'm sorry. But wait. And Jesus hears of this sickness of Lazarus. And Jesus could have touched him from where he was at. Jesus didn't have to go to Lazarus. He was God. He could have touched him for where he was at. But Jesus did not do that. I say this to you this morning. There will be those times that we pray and it seems God says wait. And that's where they're at. I began studying this and the storm that is now in Mary and Martha's life. Their brother is sick. Their brother is dying. They have called the family in. The hospice has been called in. The pastor's been called in. But the great physician says, I'll just wait a few days before I come by. I've said this many, many, many times. But uh, just because we're saved does not mean hard days is not going to come our way. Just because we're saved does not mean that we won't have to bury our loved ones. Just because we're saved does not mean that we'll not have to take our children to the doctor. There will be hard days as the body of Christ. Here is what just absolutely blowed my mind. Jesus said, I'm glad for your sake. I, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake. God never promised all things would be good. Is anybody hearing the preacher this morning? I'm trying to help us. God never promised us that all things would be good. But God did promise us that all things would work together for our good. In Romans 8, 28. I was talking to one of my buddies this week, Brother David Williams, and he'll be here in a few weeks to preach for us. And we was talking about this passage of Scripture. And here is what he said. And when he said it, man, I wrote it down. And I said, I'll give you credit in the message for that statement. Here's what he said. There is times in our life when what makes the heart of God glad it will confound the heart of man. Can I say that again? There will be times in our life when what makes the heart of God glad, it confounds the heart of man. In other words, it confuses us. In other words, it leaves us in awe and not understanding why it had to be that way. I bet if somebody would have sent word back to Mary and Martha and said, Jesus said that he was glad that your brother's dead, they would have been confounded by that statement. But what they did not know is that Jesus was going to leave where he was at and Jesus was going to make the journey to 
where they was at. And before it was all said and done, everything was going to be all right. You see, according to Isaiah this morning, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God does not do things like we would do things. God's ways are not our ways. I want to preach to you this morning on why did Jesus say he was glad? Lazarus is dead and I am glad. Why was he glad? I thought about this all week. Yesterday, I, I thought about things that make me glad. I bet if we was to start and go around the room this morning, nobody would probably say, burying my family member makes me glad. I have never heard nobody say that. I've stood with a lot of people uh, and a lot of, I've been around the death a lot, a lot in my life. But I've never heard nobody say, well, it makes me glad that they're dead. We've heard this statement, I'm glad they don't have to suffer no more because we don't want them to suffer. But nobody says, man, I thought about what makes me glad. Ford trucks make me glad. Somebody give me an amen right there. I thought about what makes me glad yesterday. Uh, me and Madeline and Olivia and I took the twins and Ella and Cassie and we went on an adventure across the, wasn't Stone Mountain, what mountain was we at? Saddle Mountain. We went to the Horn of Saddle Mountain. You say, what's the Horn of Saddle Mountain? You need to go sometime. We got up there, and when we first got up there, Brother Tim, it was just trees. And I thought, we have walked a mile and a half up the side of this confound mountain to look at trees, and nobody even cleared a place out for me to see the other side of the mountain. I was about half ill to be honest with you. And I stepped off of the edge and there was one little path cut out. And man, you want to talk about a beautiful sight back across that ridge and across Saddle Mountain. It made me glad to see God's creation. What makes me glad to hear my children sing and serve the Lord. What makes me glad preaching makes me glad. What makes me glad spending time with my family. But I never said he's dead and I'm glad. That's what Jesus said that day. Let me show you two or three things and we'll go home. Number one, I say this. Why did Jesus say he was glad? Number one, so the sovereign would be declared. So the sovereign would be declared. Look back in verse number four, what your Bible said. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. You say, well, Bible or, or preacher, that's a controversy in the Bible. Uh, that, 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 that's something that's wrong because he did die. Jesus knew that he would not stay dead. Yeah. See, Jesus knew the end of the story. Watch this. Why was he glad so the sovereign would be declared? The sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God, or for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Why was he glad? Because it was a time for the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God to be declared. You see, that man that they went to that day by the name of Jesus, it wasn't just any old man. 
It was not a man like any of the disciples. It was somebody far greater than that. You see, he had come by the way of a lady by the name of Mary that was a virgin. His father may have been Joseph on earth, but his real father was God. It was the same one that the Bible said in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When you study that God out right there, you'll find out that it's uni-plurality is what it's called. And it means one in three and three in one. It was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. That's the reason he said, let us make man in our own image. You see, he was not just a disciple that day, but it was God incarnated into man. And the reason Jesus could say that he was glad it's because the sovereignty of God was fixing to be displayed in his only begotten son. A few verses later, he's going to cup his hand over his mouth and say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus is going to rise from the dead that day. He was showing the sovereignty of a holy God incarnated in his son that day. Oh, yeah. Why was Jesus glad? It was because it was a miracle that was going to uplift the Messiah that day. A matter of fact, he said this in verse 45 of the same chapter. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Number one, I say, why was he glad? So the sovereign would be declared. Number two, let me move quickly this morning. Why was Jesus glad? Number two, so that faith would be developed. So that faith would be developed. You see, the disciples was going to learn some things that they had never learned before. The faith of Mary and Martha was going to be, uh, let me say it this way, would be educated more than it had ever been educated before. You say, why does Jesus put us in the storm sometimes? Here's the reason why. So he can develop your faith. I find this amazing so many times. We can trust him with our eternal soul, but we can't trust him with our temporary storm. This too shall come to pass. Job said all the appointed days of my life will I wait until my change comes. Job knew he would get out of his storm so that faith would be developed. You see, he wanted to develop not only the faith of Mary and Martha, but also the faith of the disciples that day. You see, he said, let us go to Judea. You that knows your Bible knows just right on over a few verses in this same chapter. They begin to plan to kill Jesus. And Jesus decides to go to the very place where this could be happening at. You want me to tell you the reason he done that? He wanted to develop the faith of others around him. God's will was being fulfilled during this time. God's will is safer than man's understanding 
The disciples did not understand why Jesus would go to a group of people and to a place where they was plotting to arrest him and to kill him and give him an unjust trial. But let me tell you what Jesus was doing. He was developing the disciples' faith. I thought about this in verses 8 through 11. The disciples questioned Jesus about returning to Judea because they are plotting to kill Christ. It is a great day when we realize that God's wisdom is greater than man's understanding. There is sometimes in the storms that we don't understand it, but God's wisdom is greater than our understanding. Jesus is confirming their faith in these verses. He is teaching them. He is leading them. Look what the Bible said in verse number 21. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord. She calls him Lord there. Boy, there's so much. I'm just going to skip over some of this. There's so much I could say right there. Jesus is developing Martha right there. She's not calling him master no more. She's calling him Lord. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died, but I know that even now, whithersoever thou would ask of God, God will give it thee. Martha's saying, Jesus, if you would just ask God to raise him, I know that'll happen. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection. He said, You're looking at the one that's going to bring every dead body up that's a born again child of God. He said, I am the resurrection. And once he says that to her, look down in verse 27 for the sake of time. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She said, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. She said, You're not just any man. You're him. You're the one that they prophesied about for 6,000 years. You're him. You're the one that's come to save us from our sin. Can I say this to you today? There's not a doubt in my mind up to that point that there must have been a little bit of doubt in Martha's mind if it was really him. But when he looked at her and said, your brother's going to rise again because the resurrection has shown up on the scene, her faith was developed and she said, you are the Christ. And I want to say this to you this morning. Those storms will develop our faith if we'll let them. Let me show you something else. Why was Jesus glad so the sovereign would be declared, so that faith would be developed? Uh, watch this. So his compassion would be demonstrated. His compassion would be demonstrated. Sometimes I think that we've got this assumption in our mind that God and Jesus is sitting in heaven we know the Holy Spirit's what indwells with us right now but God and Jesus is sitting in heaven and I think sometimes we have this mindset that they're there in all of their glory and they are and all of their sovereignty and they are all of their power and they are but can I remind you of something 
we also have a Savior that is very compassionate. He is very compassionate. Why was he glad? So his compassion would be demonstrated. Watch this, verse 33. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping, this is talking about Mary, verse 32, just back up. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Now it's very interesting. I'm just going to hit this in passing. Mary and Martha says the same thing. But they say it in two different attitudes. You that knows your Bible, Martha runs up in the face of Christ and says, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. Mary's weeping at his feet. Lord, if you'd have been here. My brother had not died. Look what Jesus said in verse number 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Look at verse 35. Jesus wept. You know what that means. It means that Jesus cried that day. Why was Jesus glad that Lazarus was dead? Here's the reason why. So his compassion would be demonstrated. He wanted to demonstrate to them his compassion for them. There's some things you can't fake and compassion's one of them. I heard one old preacher say this years ago. He said people will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's true. That's true. I know some preachers that's so intelligent and they can preach the house down. They're awesome preachers. But to show compassion and sit down and love on somebody, they just can't do it. They're introverts. I'm just being honest with you. They can't. My daddy always told me this. He said, um, if you'll just love people, you can get away with not being a good preacher. That's what he said. So if you'll just love them, you can get away with not being a good preacher. It's worked for 14 years, so I'm going to keep trying it. <laughs> but watch this. Jesus wanted Mary and Martha to see that he had compassion on them. Jesus that day sits down with them and cries with them that day. I thought about this. Jesus is affected by what he sees in verse number 33. His eyes affected his heart. Jesus is affected by what we face in verse number 34. Jesus is affected with our grief in verse number 35. You remember what the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. I've been asked this question many times. Why did Jesus cry that day? Some would say this, he cried because they didn't have faith. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. One commentator said that. One said this, Jesus cried that day because he knew he was fixing to raise Lazarus from the dead. He'd be back in a sin-cursed world. I can, I can go along with that a little bit. I could understand that. But here is some barkerology if you want it. Let me tell you the reason Jesus cried that day. Because Lazarus was dead and he loved him. That's what the Bible said. Said that he loved Lazarus. And agape love. 
He loved him. And that day, when he got there and he saw his family sitting around crying, you want me to tell you what Jesus done? He just pulled a stool up right beside of them, if I can say it that way. And Jesus sat down with them that day and cried with them. I remember when I first started pastoring, I thought I had to have the answer to everything. Are you with me? Some of you wives still think that. But anyway, that went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? You started to say amen, but you didn't want the whole church to see you get smacked. <laughs> I thought, Brother Brian, that I had to have the answer to everything. And whenever I went somewhere and somebody had died, I had to be able to answer this question. Why is my loved one dead? Why is my daddy dead? Why is my baby dead? Why is my mother dead? Why? Why? And I thought I had to answer all that. But I've come to this conclusion. I don't know the answers to why, but what I can do is just put my arm around you and I'll lay my head on your shoulder and cry and you lay your head on my shoulder and cry and we'll just do as Jesus did that day and sat around and cried together and trust God for the rest of it. I'll tell you the reason Jesus cried that day because his heart was broken. Yes, he was the sovereign. Yes, he was God incarnated in the man. But at the same time, he was tempted as we are. He faced the same struggles that we do. He faced the same heartaches that we do. And his body was dead and he cried. That's the reason he cried. He cried because Lazarus was dead and he cried because Mary and Martha was crying. I know y'all think I'm hard-hearted, but I'm really not. And one thing that I am a groupie with is this. When somebody starts crying, I'm usually just going to cry too. I, 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 there's been, me and Miss Rachel's been on several calls in the last year and, and uh, I, I'll walk in and one of the first things that I'll ask is the chaplains who's the paramedics that's here and I was on one several months ago and, and they said uh, Rachel's in there Rachel's in there with the wife and the husband had passed away unexpectedly and I thought well I need to go get two boxes of tissues this time because she's just like me and before I ever got in there I heard her a snot and a crying and I thought oh Lord this is going to be bad this is going to be real bad I showed up with the sheriff's office and I need to hold my composure 30 seconds in the room we was all in a big group hug and they were snot and buggers and COVID flying everywhere <laughs> let me tell you the reason Jesus cried because he loved Lazarus and because Mary and Martha was crying and Jesus felt their agony Jesus felt their heartbreak and Jesus' heart was broke with them oh that's the reason he was glad because he wanted them to see his compassion that day can I show you one more thing and we'll go home Lazarus is dead and I am glad why? so the sovereign would be declared so that faith would be developed, so that compassion would be demonstrated. But can I show you one more? So that hopeless would be delivered. So that the hopeless would be delivered. Let me tell you the reason Jesus was glad, because he knew he's going to get him back up. So that the hopeless would be delivered. I thought about this, the condition of Lazarus. He'd been dead for four days. 
uh, you that knows your Bible knows the reason Jesus waited four days is because those Jews believed that if somebody had been dead for three days, you could pray them back up. But after four days, all hope was gone. Jesus waited till the very last moment. Here's the reason why. So all hope in humanity was gone. I thought about this, the condition. He was dead for four days. He was beyond hope. He was beyond hope of humanity. I thought about the cry. There was no mistake. Somebody cried out for Jesus for the condition of Lazarus. Then I thought about the call. I thought about the call. What did he say? Verse 43. When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And you know what happened that day? And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Come start playing softly. I wrote these two things down in closing. The test seemed to defeat until Jesus stepped toward the grave. And all of the sudden, songs of defeat became songs of delight. Jesus spoke and victory came forth from a place where no victory could have ever been imagined. Can I just say that again because it helps me. Victory came forth from a place that could have never been imagined. I wrote this down. What would prove to be one of the greatest mountaintop experiences for Mary and Martha was only possible because they had been through their darkest midnight. Because they had been through their darkest midnight. Could you imagine the walk back to their house that day? Now, if I'd have been there, I'd have said something like this. Lazarus, you're going to have to take a bath when we get back. Because the Bible said, he surely stinketh by now. I'm like, hey, Hoss, your right, guard, your right guard done went and turned left. You're going to have to take a bath when you get back. All right? But after I told him he's going to have to take a bath, could you imagine the conversation going back home? Man, he'd been dead for four days. I bet Mary's on one side and Martha's on the other side. Martha's probably shouting and then every once in a while she says something like this. But I wish Jesus would have got here a little bit sooner. You that's ever studied Martha understands what I'm saying. That would have been me. Somebody say amen. Uh, the only way that they could have experienced the glory and the happiness and the miracle that God done that day was for Lazarus to die. Now, I want to ask you this question. And I'm not talking about Lazarus being an individual. Everybody somewhere along the way has a Lazarus that dies. I'm not talking about an individual. It may be 
It may be a marriage that falls apart. It may be a child that goes wayward. It may be losing your dream job. Am I making sense? Is anybody with me? It may be the death of a loved one. It may be a stroke on Christmas Eve. And then all of a sudden, years of working and providing for your family, there's some days that you can't hardly get out of the bed and go now. Everybody has a Lazarus. But what are you going to do with it? Mary and Martha could have very easily just said, that's it, Lord, I'm mad at you. I'm never talking to you again. You didn't get here. You said that you love me with an agape love and you didn't get here on time and I don't have time to mess with you. And you know what would have happened? Lazarus would still have been in the cemetery. But God brought the greatest ray of sunlight, S-O-N, at their darkest moment simply because they give Lazarus to Christ. And that storm that's in your life that you're bitter over, that you're angry over, that you don't understand why it's happened, you're going to do one of two things with it this morning. You're either going to give it to the Lord and let God bring something good out of it, or you're going to die in bitterness. God didn't make a mistake by letting Lazarus die. God knew exactly what was going on. There is times, and, and, and I, I, I'm going to hush, there is times that we cause major storms in our life. God didn't cause them, we cause them ourselves. But we can still run to the Master, and the Master can help us out of it. David did lose his baby. He sure did. He sure did after him and Bathsheba had an affair. David did lose Tamar, his daughter that his son raped. David did lose Amnon to his other son that killed that son. But also in the midst of all of that mess, we get this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Also in the midst of all of that mess, Bathsheba marries David and becomes pregnant again. And we get a man by the name of Solomon that wrote a book you should read out of every day, and that's Proverbs. Wrote several books of the Bible to us, and the Bible said that there's nobody any smarter that ever lived or ever would live than him. Lazarus is dead and I am glad. God wants to develop some things out of your life. Do we sit in bitterness? Or do we bow in humbleness and allow him?